Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Opening up maybe with a couple of verses out of Hebrews, um, just the reality that Jesus is our theology. And, um, you know, but there's something that the writer of Hebrews, and nobody really knows who it was. Some people think Paul wrote it because we've been talking a lot about him. Or he wrote it through somebody else, and that's why it kind of it's worded a little differently than a lot of his other letters. Man, some people think a lady named Chloe wrote it, which I think that's a really cool um, possibility. But I'm not so sure if that's the truth. Nobody really knows. But it says this in, in, in Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Basically, maybe in verse 2, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. It's really like in his son or in a son is the way it's really word, worded there, the way it's written. But it's like this reality that, you know, here in America, here in Texas, you know, we speak English, but God speaks in the language of son. For Jesus is like the language of God. He is the word made flesh. If you, if you look at Hebrews 1, because it goes on and talks about how he's the creation and how his throne, your throne of the Son, it says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. It's just doing this justice of, of Hebrews 1 is saying like, hey, Jesus is actually God. And he's the communication and expression of God. We speak in English. God speaks in Son in these last days so that we see something very specific that unlocks our minds in the world. Very similar to John 1, you know what I mean? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's like he's the expression, he's the language of God, but he's also God. And so we look at Jesus' life and we look at his dealings and we look at his, even the way, ways he trained his disciples we looked at last week, which was, is just absolutely hilarious how like, basically what a bunch of rascals those guys, kind of like idiots, you know what I mean? It was just, it's amazing the team that he played with, but how he led them in this brilliant way that caused, you know, by the, by Halfway through Luke 10, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning because he sent 72 people out and they manifested the kingdom of heaven. How these people that were not exactly walking in the most whole and pure mentalities were wrecking shop on ancient demonic forces that governed the earth through the spirit realm. You know what I mean? If you listen to that, hopefully you did or you probably hear. I mean, it's just it's absolutely brilliant the way Jesus was by stealth unlocking the world and he was using it with what i call is the bad news bears i don't know some of you guys are probably around my age see i got a couple smirks people you know my age and older it's like the bad news bears was a a movie about this team of baseball players that this guy inherited and they were not very good at all you know what i mean but they end up going to the little league world series because even though they were all basically awful um they came together as a team and, and they won a championship so anyways okay and that's my vision for the church, you know what I mean? That the way things would work, you know, it's like you can be like the Golden State Warriors and just kind of 
have a bunch of money and hire the best players off and, and try to, hey, Kevin Durant, let's come make all-star teams and win championships, which nobody respects that unless you live there, you know. Or the way of the master was like, I'll take the bad news bears. I'll take this squad of people that everyone thinks is, should be rejects and should be disqualified, and I'll put their names on the foundations of the New, new Jerusalem. It's like, gee whiz. Because it's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. And this is the reality of rest we can step into in our lives. That's like, hey, it's not really up to me. It's about having a yes in my heart and wanting to go all in with Him. You know, King David, the Lord is actually my shepherd. No, but I'm the king and I'm the, I'm the powerhouse of the world. Like, no, 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 no. I'm basically like an animal who follows Him around. And I'm led by Him and that's why I have success in my life. And no matter what the matrix looks like, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know if he's there with me, I'm not going to sweat it. Because, the, because my surroundings are nothing but a stage in a play compared to the reality of heaven, which is around me and leading me in life. You know what I mean? It's a completely different mentality, this mentality of faith. And you can feel that, man. David's like, you know, even... You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What is that about? It's like, I'll take my weapons off and my armor off and eat in the most vulnerable place if it's eating with the Lord because He's setting a table with me. He is so much more real than anything that I faced that I sit into a place of rest and it causes the doors that need to be opened to be open. It causes my defense. I'm not my own defense. The Lord is my defense. It's, it's this walk of rest that is this walk of the Spirit that is learning to trust God and let go and be led. And that's Christianity. And again, it's not for those who have read the most, who have studied the most. Here's the thing. When you get geeked out enough on God, you will read and you will study. You will become like, you know, uh, you know, a Star Wars nerd over the Bible, you know, like, you know, people like that, that watch, you know, Friends season 10, like 20 times. You're like, golly, they got the thing memorized. But you will be that more obsessed with the Bible. Like, it won't be like you're doing it in order to be, to gain access or in order to be accepted by God. It's like, you will be so geeked out and in love with the truths that are found in this thing. It'll start to come alive to you by the spirit and it will become your life. And every door that you need open will be open. And the ones that need to be shut will be shut. It's like, it's learning to live by the Spirit and trust God with our entire life. And I thought, I thought the contrast, since, since we did a some of this story and it's very fresh from last week, there's a contrast of, of sometimes people would come to Jesus and He would say things to them that seemed almost like kind of like cold or harsh. And um, if Jesus is our theology... And everything he says and everything he does is our life because it's not just like we're reading a story about him. He is the story. You feel me? You know what I mean? Like he's spoken to us in, son, in the language of son. He's the word made flesh. He's the logos. He is the description of God and he is God. So it's not just the red letters of, the, of his words. It's the things that he acted and did. And I was reading this back end of Luke, which we didn't really touch of Luke 9 last week. But it's when the man came to him and says, as they were journeying, journeying on the road, someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. To which, how many times do you see Jesus just rolling up on disciples? Follow me, follow me, follow me. And they're leaving their nets. They're leaving their business. They're leaving whatever it is. And it's just like, boom, I just made it into rabbi school. I'm following this, I'm following this dude. 
You know, I made it. I, I don't know how I got in. I'm in, you know, and I'm out, you know. But there were certain people that would come to him that it seemed different. And this guy's like, I will follow you wherever you go. And this is actually a reference from Matthew 8, actually. And it's the dude's a scribe who had disciples of his own. Um, but Jesus says to him something. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And I was like, man. That's kind of, it's kind of like cold, but apparently it seems like it may have deterred this guy. And um, it's like if you're, if you're looking for a place to like cozy up and remain comfortable, or if you think that you're the scribe and you want to fit into the religious machine and you can be next to the hottest new teaching and this could kind of help you be equipped there and then you can go back into it and build your kingdom, it's just like you're not going to find what you're looking for here. Like religious agenda, like it doesn't, it doesn't work in following him. To follow him, it's like you just got to let go and just wherever he's going, you're going. Like this ain't some comfortable cush thing that I'm, that I'm actually leading into you. And it's interesting because Luke, Dr. Luke, when he's writing this, he writes that, he writes that saying right there. Foxes have holes and, and birds have nests. And then it says, then he said to another, follow me. And the guy says... Lord, let me first go and bury my father. To which Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And it's like, dang, that's another level of cold right there, kind of harsh. That's the way we see it, right? But we know the fruit of his spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. So we know that his, that what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, right? Like that there is no agenda in love, or it says love does not seek its own. But that's what it means. It does, there's no strings attached, there's no agenda. So when Jesus is saying these things to these guys, he's not rejecting them, but he's hitting at the very root of the things that are tied into their heart because he wants them free. To the scribe, he's like, hey, just so you know, this is what it's going to be for you. You know? To the next guy, well, let me go bury my father, which most of us are like, jeesh. Can you not get off work for a funeral? You know what I mean? Now, granted, this isn't like my father died this morning. I have to go to his funeral. This is somebody saying, it's important to me to honor my parents. I want, I want my life to follow after you. I want all that you have, and I want to be wholly yours. Holy with a W, right? Whole, whole, completely. Not the best speaker, and I understand this. But look, you know what I'm saying. I want to be completely yours. Um, but my dad's getting old. We kind of have a way of doing things in our family. You know what I mean? This is kind of what we, we have kind of a tradition. We go to this church, and we eat the buffet afterwards, and we have family dinner. You know, I want to come to where you're deleting me, but it's like, ah, oh, no, no, no. you know what I'm saying? It's like, he, has this, he has this mindset to which Jesus is like, yeah, like, yeah, let the dead bury their own dead. It's time for you to actually step into the kingdom of God. You're, you're, you have to live the kingdom and you have to preach it. This is what will cause you to come to life. This isn't against his dad. It's just like, hey, you can't call me Lord and live to please your family. And once they're dead and gone and that chapter's closed, then you can come after me. That's kind of what he's saying there. Not kind of, that is what he's saying there. And so it looks really harsh, but it's like, it's like, man. To another, it says, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me go and bid farewell to them that are at my house. So it's interesting. This is even kind of a little lesser level of that. But Jesus says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And it's like, wow, 
you know, Dr. Luke is writing these verses and they're like three, three of these little stories, like they're all just chunked in, verse 58 to 62. And it's like he's driving this point home that Jesus was very much about going all in with him. And see, we've been poisoned, right? Mankind has, I should say. From that tree of the knowledge of good and evil that causes us to want to self-disqualify ourselves or that causes us to want to think of things through being good and evil or like, you know, being, oh, I'm not ready to follow him or I'm not ready to live my life for him. I'm not ready to be used by him. But it's really interesting because, well, for one, that first story, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, Son of Man has no one to lay his head. When he says that to that guy, that's actually not written in chronological order to this story, to this time in Jesus' life. Because in this Luke 9, it's like Jesus has just gone up on the Mount of Transfiguration, which we all know, and we've studied that here, right? It's like, that's like a week or two out from the cross, month max. The Mount of Transfiguration was like him flexing on all the demonic principalities and powers. It really was glowing white and coming off that mountain going heading straight as it says in Luke 9 um, 51 that his face was set to Jerusalem. Now he, he knew what he was doing and he knew where he was going but for some reason Luke tells these three little instances of Jesus it seems being harsh, it seems being cold to these three people and one of them we know from Matthew chapter 8 wasn't actually in this exact same time frame. He just inserted that story there. But we also know that the scripture has been breathed by God, so everything that's here, we can actually see something like, why is Uncle, why is Dr. So, Uncle Luke's a rapper from the 90s. Wow. I said, Uncle Luke, dude, wow, man. What in the world? She was. Why is Dr. Luke, why is he inserting these three? <laughs> wow. Don't look him up. Um, why is Dr. Why is Dr. Luke? Why is our big brother? Why is he putting these three stories right here? And if you think about it, it's coming right after the three stories, the three instances in these other 10 verses, right after of the disciples being really acting like complete and total rascals. Right? We talked about that last week. I mean, they, they come off the Mount of Transfiguration and it says in verse 46, remember, they were fighting and debating which of the disciples was going to be the greatest. So they were competing with one another. And Jesus didn't disqualify them from that, right? He says, hey, who receives this little child in my name receives me. That's you know, Luke 9, 48. Then instantly, John starts bragging. Master, we saw somebody casting out demons in your name and we forbid him to do it. We told him, put the demon back, that guy. Leave him alone because you don't roll with us. And it's just like, John. Demons coming out is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Like, what's wrong with you? You're being territorial. He doesn't say any of that stuff. He just says, hey, don't forbid him. He who's not with us against, you know, who's, do not forbid him for he who's not against us is on our side. And then it comes to pass. They're going by the Samaritan city. And this is the funniest one, which James and John are like, hey, let's call down fire on that city because they didn't actually make a place for us to stay on our way to Jerusalem. Let's murder an entire city with fireballs like Elijah did. We just saw Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Maybe that was a sign for us to kill a bunch of people. Hey, Jesus, do you want us to kill these people for you? And Jesus is like, no. Son of man didn't come to destroy men's life, but he came to save them. So here are these three instances of Jesus and his disciples where any one of us in any capacity of leadership, especially in church leadership, but even in your jobs, any place you have... 
as a parent, your kids are like, hey, do you, uh, we're thinking about killing people. Whoa, whoa, not good, you know? They're doing all these things and are never disqualified. But then you also, then, Dr. Luke in, gives three instances of people that actually wanted to follow him, but was like, yeah, it's not, probably not going to work for you unless you, that he's really cold to. And it's like, dude, you are more, you are more, um, I don't know how I would say this, but seem more strict towards those people who were part in and part out than you were with people that were like, had major, major character flaws. And it's no accident that Luke puts them side by side. And it's funny because the way my Bible is, it is kind of side by side, you know what I mean? Because of the page break, the way it works. So it looks like you can compare these, like, these guys are like, with their mouth, they're saying they're, they're all in, they want to follow the Lord. But their hearts weren't really there. You feel me? Their hearts weren't there. And that's Jesus, man. He's talking about, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? It's like, it seems to me that his agenda and his purpose in training his people, it was more important, not that they be perfect and, and have all the right things to say. They could be totally showing uh, uh, all kinds of negative attributes and having all this negative stuff manifesting him. And he still wasn't rebuking them. He was actually teaching them. Where the other guys, he seemed to throw up a block on them. Isn't that strange? And isn't that contrary to the way that we think about things so often? Because I know for me, it's like I'm, I'm picking the three guys on the right side of my Bible that want to be all in. And Jesus is like, well, I'm picking these guys on the other side. And you're like, what? Those are the bad news bears. That's a rough, that's a rough bunch. But what the issue was there was commitment. It was commitment of heart. The disciples, the, the difference in these two if you, if you contrast these two sides, his disciples were the ones that were willing to walk with him no matter what. They were down with him. They were in relationship with him. They were in committed relationship with Jesus and with each other. And the thing about Jesus, he's always moving forward. Always moving forward. And our job is actually to follow him forward. And the thing that so often keeps people from moving forward is Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation in Christ. There obviously isn't, because he didn't condemn his disciples who wanted to kill people at times. You know what I mean? Peter later on tries to kill somebody with a sword. And Jesus puts, sticks the guy's ear back on his head. Right? I mean, wow. This stuff was in these guys, but Jesus was working with them. Because he's like, it's more important that it's coming out of them so they can see the contrast from darkness and light. And when they see me in my contrast, the Son of Man didn't come to kill people. He came to give life. It wasn't, you guys are murderous, or you have murder in your heart, and you need to be counseled. You have a wound from your childhood that's causing you, you know what I mean? And those things can be true, but it was like, this is what I've come to do. And he calls himself, which is so strange, he talks in the third person, like the rock, you know? The Son of Man, you know what I mean? It's so funny. But, it, but, it's, but it's prophetic for us to see what it looks like a human being, even though he's God, with the Spirit of God speaking out of him. And the Holy Spirit is speaking, the Son of Man, like this guy, the image which you guys are created in, he came to live like this. It's like, hey, hey lions, they don't bark at the doorbell. They don't chase their tail. This is how they act. 
And then the young lions who've been living like dogs see it and like, that is what we're like. And repentance is changing your mind. I'm not who they've told me I was. I'm, I'm like you. And wait a second, there's no condemnation. So the repentance wasn't a condemning thing. It was like, it came up so that they could see it. Where these other guys, I love it because, you know, Jesus told his own disciples, everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother, wife, children, or lands for my sake, she'll receive a hundredfold in this life and, and, and eternal life in the age to come. So these guys, when they're first asking, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man, hey, remember the, the young rich guy? He's like, come, sell your stuff and come follow me. He's like, oh, but he went away sorrow because his heart was in his riches. But he's at the heart right there. It's about willingness to follow. It's about willingness to be led. It's about willingness to, to understand, to know my voice and understand I'm going to unlock everything. But the fear is like, uh, but I'm going to have to leave this safe space, man. I'm going to have to leave this comfort that I'm in. But the disciples knew something that these guys didn't know later on. He's like, hey, by the way, anybody who's left these things gains them back in this life 100 times better and in the age to come eternal life. That's in red letters, dude. One side's only looking at what they're going to lose. The other side's like, I don't care, I'm going to follow you. You have the words of eternal life. That's what Peter told Jesus, right? And as they're following him, the stuff manifests and they become whole. But then they get the secret of the kingdom. Hey, by the way, and the stuff you've lost, you're going to gain much more than that, even in, the li in this life. Whoa. It's like, why didn't you tell that to the rich guy that was so sorrowful? Why didn't you tell that to the guy, to the scribe? Why didn't you tell that to the guy that wanted to bury his dad? You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, but those things are for relational connection. It was more important to him that you're here for the right reasons because all that stuff's coming back. So when he says stuff, Luke 12, 31, right? You know what I mean? Like, seek first the kingdom above all else. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things you need, they're going to be added. The, 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 the brilliance of this plastic matrix in following him is just like, hey, people are so afraid from what they get security from in this life to follow him. But in reality, is like, hey, let it go. Lose your life and you'll actually find it. And all that you need will be added unto you. So your needs will be met. Like, you're so worried that I'm not going to come through. But a, but a drop in one of the oceans of heaven has more wealth than the entire wealth of this entire planet. And it's all a game. And it's of the heart. To follow Him. To know Him. To be obedient to Him in all things. And to trust Him with your life as your shepherd. That's, that's actually the point of the walk. That's actually the point of the way He trained His disciples. You know. Another point that I think that's beautiful about it, and it goes without Ephesians 4, like 11 and 12 and 13, of like, the church literally exists to, to train and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That it's like not somebody with a microphone or a big following or whatever. It's just like everybody has unique giftings that are from God. And many, many of them are laying dormant and they're profoundly, profoundly mystical and spiritual. And they stir within those people. But the church is meant to actually equip people to walk in those things to train and practice in those things and to grow in them so that they're effective in the world everywhere they go. It's supposed to be an equipping center. It's, it's in the Bible. Like that's, that's the way that it's supposed to be. You know? It's like cutting off the, I was going to say cutting off the crust off the sandwich. It's more like you know, 
cutting out the hamburger helper and eating like the actual meat and the vegetables, eating that which is good is like what it truly exists for. It's not a, it's not necessarily a club, you know, to be safe from the world. It's more like, you know, it's more like a gang that is a family that the, that the gates of hell in the world are not safe from them. You know what I mean? That's growing in this relational connection and commitment to the Lord Jesus, who is very close to everyone. Well, I don't hear from the Lord. I was like, we can, we can take a minute and pray and you'll hear from the Lord right now. That's the way this thing is designed. Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord has been poured out on all flesh. The sons and daughters prophesy. The young men dream dreams. The old men see visions. All these are backwards of that. But it's the same. You know what I'm saying? May it serve. It's men's servants. Like this, this covenant is connection. And on this rock he builds his church. And Jesus is the foundational revelation of that whole thing. Yeah, dude. Like the prophecy of John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb, He takes away the sin of the world. That is the foundational prophecy and work of all of this whole scripture. Behold the Lamb, see Him for who He is, and realize He takes away the sin of the world. Realize what He's done and step into that wholeness and transform the world. Yeah. Jesus said He's the greatest prophet of all time. Yeah, man. But to train and equip. And I love that. It's something we talk about here, and maybe we should do that. We should pray for a minute. But what we do about here... It's like Jesus, and it's something we talk about. It's that Matthew 13, 44, like there's a treasure in a field that was hidden that a man went and sold everything he had in order to purchase that field. He valued something that no one else saw, right? And it's like being faithful with what you do have, which opens up everything else. And Jesus, if you want to even look at it like this, like he could have been like, as soon as his disciples in Luke 9 were acting so so bad you know what i mean like such idiots he could have been like god why couldn't you give me at least kevin duran on my team or somebody that was stronger than these guys these guys are idiots you know but what he saw was brilliant he saw them manifesting murder and darkness and all this stuff in their heart but he saw it as an opportunity because he's not an accuser to present himself as the contrast and he knew seeing the contrast would change them second corinthians three eighteen. We're transformed into the same image from glory to glory as we see him without a veil. He knew if they saw him as he truly is, it would actually affect them. He was contagious to them. And if they would see the contrast between their fallen nature and his nature, it would change them into his nature. And little by little it did. And it's still doing it to all of us that, that, that walk this walk. You know what I mean? It's, it's brilliant the way he did it. But he was faithful in the, in the time and the season that he was in with the circle that God had given him. And this man, I feel like, is such a beautiful and brilliant strategy for all of us, you know? A lot of times, especially in this, in this walk, it's like, you know, on the, air quotes, charismatic side of the tracks, you know what I mean? The, the spirit-filled side of the tracks. Sometimes we can over-spiritualize things and, um, and not want to move into what God has to us, for us, Unless we have like a sign or like we see something. I want to be led by the Lord. And I see so many people like praying for direction of their life. But really they end up just being kind of frozen waiting for God to tell them something that he's probably already said. You know what I mean? And like Jesus is like, hey, like I'm going to get the ball running, rolling with what I do have. It's like, no, this is evidence that the 12, your top 12 are a bunch of idiots. And you need to start over and do another three-year program and raise 12 more up. And then, you know what I mean? But we see in Luke 10, as soon as those 12 acted like that, 
As soon as, that was Luke 9, as soon as Luke 10 started, he said, that was great. I'm going to send 72 more out just like you guys. And we're just like, what? Like, you're going to do what? <laughs> These guys are like, yeah, look at the mess you had to deal with. But it's like, he wants the mess. Better out than in, I always say. Right? I'd rather it manifest out of your heart so that you can see it in relationship to me than it to stuff it and you never even go through a trial to where it never even manifests and you think you're somebody you're not. You, you dig? But we get, in, we get trapped into thinking like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, push that, push that attitude down, push that manifestation down of this negative thing that I just manifest and just pretend like I have it all together because I don't want to be disqualified. It's like, hey, that doesn't disqualify you. There's no condemnation. But if you don't actually see it for what it is, you can't step out of it. If you can't own it, you can't disown it. But the grace of repentance is like, you can disown things. Like, wow. And it's not not taking responsibility. It's taking responsibility and choosing to walk the other direction. That's what repentance is. It's a change. And so he's like, I want the mess. I want the church to be a place of training and equipping. It's like, yeah, but, but everybody has to be like super squeaky clean before they can be used by God. And it's like, well, is that how Jesus did it? Or did he give them a bunch of bazookas, you know what I mean, and, and machine guns and say, go out and preach the kingdom and, and live this life, it will cause you to come alive. But in coming alive, it'll cause some other things to raise up out of your attitudes and flesh and nature. And guess what? That's not to disqualify you. It's to see it and move on. So he gives them that power. He gives them that authority. And he gives them purpose, which causes them to come alive. And that's the point. I've come to give you life, an abundant life, John 10. I want you to come alive. I want you to have inspiration. I want you to wake up every day and be like, what are we doing? Did you give me a dream last night? Did you talk to me? Just checking. I'm going to go get in the word. I'm going to go. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to, I'm going to hear you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise. I'm going to look for my shots all day because I work for the CIA, the heavenly CIA. You know, I'm undercover. I'm here to give life and to be a light everywhere I go. And that's the agenda of heaven. And you get to live this exhilaration. And it's not like, Lord, I need it's like, no, no, Lord, you want to flow from me. Out of my innermost being, rivers of life are called to flow from me. And in, and in releasing that river, I'm actually fed. That's what he said about Fotini. He's like, I got food you guys don't know about to the disciples in John 4. Like to do the will of the one who sent me actually causes me to grow and get strengthened and flows from me, but it feeds me. And that's us, man. The obedience of walking in the spirit and following him, man. That causes us to come alive. And that's the way the church is supposed to look. It's a place to serve. It's a place to have opportunity to grow in your spiritual giftings. That's what our theory is. Not theory. It's based on the scriptures. You know what I'm saying? It's like this opportunity to be used of God to let that river of life flow. And will there be a mess sometimes? Yeah. yeah, There will be. You know? We're... 10, over 10 plus years in it. Yeah, there will be a mess sometimes, but guess what? What is God, what is God concerned with? His, his family coming to life. You know? It's just like those, the contrast of the three, group, the three stories in the very beginning. It's like, man, what was he concerned with? With those first three, boxes have holes. What it really was is like, hey, your heart is not all the way in to walking with me. You have other agendas. You have other things pulling. It's pleasing your family. It's it's, it's the religious uh, system that you want to thrive in and you want to have a ministry or it's, or it's like pleasing your friends and groups. And, Let me go say goodbye to them first. Let me smooth this over. It's like, hey man, like you're already stepping in this life in a way it's not going to work for you unless you're all the way in committed to me. That's what he's telling them. 
But the other guy's like, yeah, well, you know, we manifest bad things. Like, it's okay. I've come to eradicate that. That's my job. As long as you're walking with me, it'll happen. You can't walk with fire and carry hay bales. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't carry a bunch of hay bales in your backpack and walk around with the fireman. Them things are going to catch, and they're going to be gone. And he knows this. You know? Yeah, it's true. The direction from the Lord. Even sometimes when people feel stuck or they're looking for direction, the direction comes from following the, the way of the Lord in the here and now. I think that was the word that I, I really wanted to release today. For people that are looking for direction, they're looking for their next step or the next phase or what they're called to do. But I promise you this, that the direction of the Lord comes from following the way of the Lord. And what's the way of the Lord? It's living in the moment. It's the disciples going off to buy food. He's sitting over with Fatini. I've been the woman at the well, John 4. Like, I've got food you don't know about. I've been being filled here. Because I'm in my circle, I'm always on. You know. It's him with his group of 12. I'm training the ones that the Father has ordained to be around me. He's given me. Well, he could have picked you a better team. No. No, 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 no. I see the value in my circle, even when it looks messy, and I'm going to sow life into it. The direction for your life comes from following the way of the Lord right here and right now. It comes from actually saying, okay, even the jobs and the, the, new, the new, I know for me, and I've had several secular jobs as well, and it's just like all the time, it's just like even when I would graduate from them or I'd be promoted in them or I'd be promoted and I'd get a new, better job, it was so often, it wasn't so often, it was every time when I became faithful to realize, like, wait a second, I'm in the CIA. This is about having an attitude and a heart for the Lord. I'm not too good to clean up this vomit and this guy's sweat all over the elliptical, which it just makes me, I was, I was doing, doing those little gags, you know what I mean? I'm not too good for this, because I'm here to love, to serve, and also to speak life into these people that no one else is going to. But I'm called to have a microphone on a stage someday. It's like, no, 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 no. Who's going to hit these people up right here, right now? Why not me? Promotion. It happens every time like that. The world is plastic, man. It's the matrix. The doors of our life open up as we're being faithful for the kingdom. And it's evidence because we are called to be the poster children. We've done that so much, what the Apostle Paul says about that. We are called to live this life and enter into the abundance and the success of heaven to where other people are like, how are you doing this? And it's not like, well, I take a cold shower every morning. I read seven chapters a day and... You know what I mean? I got David Goggins' book in my headphones. You know what I mean? It's it's like, no, I've sought, not that those things are bad, but I'm just saying I've sought the kingdom above all things, and I realize that's what's important, and he unlocks the doors of this plastic matrix. Yeah, and it's true. Mm -hmm. Jesus was always moving forward, and his disciples were committed always to walking with him. That's the foundation of the whole thing. The Lord told me that once. Yeah, it's in May, actually. He said, your whole life is in, the, is in the stage of a level. And I felt this for our house, too. It's like, oh, yeah. You can actually step back in your life, and it's almost like the level of like 
a video game in Super Mario Brothers or something like that, or Zelda or something. I don't know, I'm older than you guys, most of you, but it's like, it's one of these things where it's just like, hey, you can step out from the mundanity of life and look and say, hey, what God, what is God doing right now in my life? Are there issues of heart that he's working on? Is there strategic people that I'm surrounded by that I have maybe what they need? I have the ability to serve or pour life into them. Does the Lord give me hope for somebody else's future that I'm supposed to speak into? You know what I'm saying? Is it just being excellent at my job and being a support for my boss? Um, am I called to be serving at my church in this capacity or that? Or like, or what are the giftings that have been coming alive to me? Am I in a season where I'm having a lot of dreams and I'm er learning the language of God? It's like you can look at the level of your life and commit to faithfully feeding upon where the shepherd is leading you. And in doing that in the here and now, it unlocks the next stage or the next step or the direction of God, revelation to come to you to actually give you that direction. That's the way the thing works. Yeah. And living this way causes you to be able to rest because then you realize you, I'm not in the driver's seat. The Lord's in the driver's seat. The only thing we can pay for anything, come, come by gold and silver, you know what I mean? The only, the only thing we have to offer him is our own will, which he won't violate. But it's valuable, more than money or anything else. You know, it's valuable. Our, our own will and our time, that's one thing we do have to exchange and to yield our will to his and he'll actually lead us. And I wonder, I don't know if there's people here, a lot of people listen to this, so it's like, if there's even people on the podcast, maybe we'll take, oh shoot, I'll take one minute. We'll take one minute as a house just to become quiet and pray, Lord, you are my shepherd. What is your will? Do you have strategy for my life right here and right now? And you might have some, uh, you know, grandiose fireworks and get caught up into the heavenly realms and all this stuff. Or you might have the direction of God come and say, boom, show up here. Boom, forgive this person. Boom, reach out to this person. You know what I mean? This job is coming to a close. You might have anything, you know what I'm saying? But the key to direction is actually just being open to hearing his voice. You know? Why don't we do that as we close? It'll be shorter on the podcast for you folks. You know, you can just hit the pause button. We'll take a, we'll take a full 60 whole seconds. I feel like there's a divine strategy God wants to give for people. How about that? So, Lord, we do as a house, we just choose to empty our minds. And I thank you for the New Testament and this new covenant where you've given us, where your words are in our hearts and in our minds forever. And um, that you speak. And, Lord, we ask you even to give us, if there's divine, simple strategy that you have for us, for our marriage, for our family, for our function, for the ministry you've called us to, for, the, for our jobs, whatever it could be. We just give you room for your strategy that we would actually be faithful in the, in the here and now as you've called us to be. So we open our minds to you right now and just ask that you would speak anything that you have for us, Shepherd.
Lord, we thank you that your word is a lamp into our feet. It's a light into our path. And I thank you that you have a path for us and that our path is to follow you. And that even everyone's heart who's listening to this, like our, our heart is truly to be found in you and be, to follow you and be in full alignment with you, Lord. So we just thank you for the strategies of heaven and the strategies of, of the kingdom, which could be different for everybody, um, whatever that looks like. I thank you that the future you have for everyone listening to this is so full of hope. You have such a hopeful outlook for all of our plans and purposes. And I ask that we would all come into agreement with your hopeful outlook, plan and purpose for our lives individually and for us as a house, that we would walk the plans of heaven and, and the reality of your kingdom in the earth, causing it to manifest on the earth as it is in heaven.